Welcome back to Shootside. I'm your host, Ferris Simon. It's good to be back. And today I'm going to start you off with a little bit of a statistic, and you'll see where I'm going with this. Uh, a simple Google search uh, discussing the average cowherd size in the U.S. You'll get a hit at the USDA website and it says the average cowherd size in America is 40 head. And those producers that have more than 100 head represent 51% of the cow population in America. Now, what does that mean? That means that most people, such as myself, and same as our guest today, have an alternative source of income outside of the cows that we raise and the cattle that we sell. And it's a difficult thing to balance because for most of us, raising show cattle and going to these shows, whether it's a hobby, whether it's a passion project, whether it's something you like to do with your children, with your friends, your family, or just the competitive nature within us, that is our favorite thing to do. And it's difficult to balance that, and I certainly struggle with it, uh, and I think my friends and family would probably tell me I struggle with it more than I'd like to admit. It's difficult to balance work life with your passion project, which is raising cattle, selling show cattle, and then if you add uh, a family, children in the mix, personal life, it becomes a much steeper hill to climb. Our guest today is someone that I feel uh, does this balancing act very, very successfully and at a very high level. Our guest today is my good friend, Willie Weiss. Willie is from Meyer, Iowa, where his, he and his family, his wife, Nikki, and daughter, Dallas, run about 60 cows, uh, really focus on the production of high-quality show heifers. Uh, Willie also trades and sells quite a few show heifers as well. I think he's dabbling with starting to race some steers, even though that— uh, I've tried to talk him out of it because it's absolute craziness. But in, in all seriousness, Willie trades, sells, and raises some of the highest quality heifers in the country. And if you've been paying attention to the Pulse lately, you'll notice that uh, he sold the champion heifer at the Charlotte Junior National as well as the Key Junior National here last month. Um, so Willie's one of these guys that is very, very competitive, has very high quality cattle, and operates at a high level on his, you know, quote unquote side business. However, he's very proficient in his daily life and his, in his work life where he uh, works at farmer state bank as a loan officer and has a young family and spends a lot of time with his wife and his daughter as well. And it, to me, it's an interesting balancing act. And, and that's why I wanted to have him on the program. There's a little bit of a spoiler alert for this episode, and I'm going to go ahead and get it out up front is that this is actually the very first episode I ever recorded. Um, I dove into this feet first. Willie, Willie was my first victim. He was the one that uh, raised his hand first. So while the content, in my opinion, is very, very good, please bear with me a little bit because the sound quality, we we're still trying to figure some stuff out, how to record it, and had no idea what the end result was going to be, and we just went through it. So while the content is great, uh, the sound quality, there's a few issues here and there, a few glitches. So uh, I think you'll enjoy the program, but just know it's not up to par with what I've been doing sound quality-wise. But in terms of content, I absolutely love this episode. So without wasting too much more time, let's go shoot side with Willie Weiss. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you. 
Thanks, Ferris. Pumped to be here. So, uh, Willie, I've known you since you were in college still at Iowa State. And uh, I think, if I remember correctly, when you were in college, it was probably like the rest of us that were in college that liked being around cattle shows and raising livestock. I mean, that was kind of your life, right? You're going to shows, uh, selling calves, that sort of thing. Yeah, I definitely probably spent more time uh, either at shows or out looking at calves or helping somebody with, with some stock more than I spent uh, time in college for sure. So when you finished college, you elected to take a nine to five job at, at the farmer state bank, right? Yeah. And I kind of had a, um, I kind of had a little bit of a trial period. I was what I called it. My last semester at Iowa state, um, was, was the fall of 2014. And I remember my class schedule wasn't very tough. I only had a couple classes. I think they were like Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So I pretty much had, you know, most of the week free. And I remember like telling myself, thinking that I was just going to trade calves full time, um, right. you know, go back home and, you know, thought maybe I'd pick up like a, you know, some kind of a part-time sales gig selling mineral or feed or something simple like that. Um, so that fall, even though I was still in school, I pretty much acted like I was out trading calves full time. <laughs> and it's kind of thought that for the most part, I would, I'd give it a test run, you know, see how many I could trade, um, you know, how much, how many dollars I could generate. Um, just kind of, I guess, give it like, yeah, just a good trial run to see, see if it was going to work or if that's what I wanted to do um, full time. But like you said, obviously in college, um, that's really all I had ever, you know, cared about, super passionate about it, you know, was pretty dead set that was going to work. Um, and I guess what I found out, um, was it was really easy to get burned out doing that. Like, you know, the, the selling them, that part of it, you know, you're kind of had this, like the sales season adrenaline you were, I was running and right. going, it seemed all good. And then all of a sudden, like you get done selling and shoot that first jackpot seasons like or that first jackpot shows like you know next weekend so <laughs> start clipping and pretty much you know had no downtime from you know selling all fall till jackpot season then all of a sudden you know the next thing jackpot season doesn't stop um so i i graduated in december from iowa state uh moved home and you know just was going to jackpots cabin cows um, helping my family on the farm. And that's when it kind of like started to set in like, Holy smokes. Is this really how I, how I want to do it? Um, and I ended up going into the bank to, um, ask for a loan to get a house. So I could move out of my parents' house and ended <laughs> up walking, walking out of the bank with a job and kind of questioning, um, my decision and the way uh, my wife, Nikki, and I kind of discussed it um, was, what's it hurt to try, you know? Um, Which, just let me pause you there. I think that could be a whole nother podcast on how you go into a bank for a loan and leave for a job. <laughs> so we're definitely going to have you back to discuss that topic. It, it, but, it's funny because uh, the guy that actually was the loan officer when I was, we you know, when I went in to talk to it, Nikki was actually with me, with me. We weren't married yet. Um, she was still in school at that point in time, but you know, we, she came, took a day off school and we went in there to, you know, discuss getting this house loan. And 
we, we still always, always talk about it at work because he's like, start out by, Hey, do you want to come work for us? And I was like, no, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's probably for me. And then by the end of our conversation, uh, they had convinced me to come in uh, for an interview and which pretty much just ended up in the, you know, sitting around the table and talking about it and decided we'd give it a go. So was that transition difficult from going to basically, you know, no rules, living the college life, going to stock shows, doing whatever you wanted to, which I think deep down is a lot of our, you know, we all think that sounds good and great. And how, how difficult was that transition to, you know, you're a banker. So, I mean, (laughs) granted they are bankers hours. They're called that for a reason, but (laughs) was, you know, was that difficult to say, I got to show up to the office every day and, and and do this. And the, and the cows kind of take maybe a back burner or a side burner. You know, um, it was, it was difficult at the start, especially, um, but one thing that I saw almost immediately um, was it kind of brought some structure to my schedule. You know, b- before I started at the bank, it it didn't – I didn't even really know what day of the week it was. You know, it didn't really matter. It was like you were always – I was always traveling. I was gone for a week at a time, you know, long weekends at a time. And it kind of got to the point where it's like if I'm going to ever have a family, like I'm – you know, going to need something, you know, some more structure to my schedule. And the nice part about that is immediately when I started at the bank is there was going to be five days a week. I was going to be, you know, in North Iowa within driving distance of home. Um, so yeah, the transition period, as far as, you know, when you're going to do your cow stuff, um, how much time you're going to be able to designate to different things that, that part of it was definitely, definitely challenging, but, you know, immediately, um, you know, being in North Iowa for five days a week um, was kind of a good feeling, especially from coming off that kind of that stage I described as just being a little burned out. So, so what you're telling me, which I think most college kids would say, uh, you know, would be the scariest part is I need to get a day job to support the cow habit. And, and a lot of people look at the day job as a hindrance yeah. to their, their cows. You're actually telling me that that was, probably the best thing that had happened to you for the rest of your life. I have a, I mean, I have a long list of things of kind of how I think my day job has, has helped my cattle operation. Um, not only just from looking at it as, you know, more of a, from a business standpoint, you know, running it like a business. Um, it's allowed me to look at it in a few different ways. Um, but yeah, just kind of, I guess, different management practices than maybe I, I had had before. Before I right. got a job. So a minute ago, you alluded to the fact that when you got a day job, it helped you operate more like a business uh, and really brought a lot more balance to your life. And I think there's a lot of people out there and, and myself included at times where I find that it's difficult to believe that you can compete raising and selling show cattle when you don't do it full time. And yeah. What you're saying is by not doing it full time, it's actually improved your life. And on top of it, from the outside looking in, and again, we haven't discussed this before. So this is super interesting to me. From when we met to now, I think we could both agree the quality of the cattle and the championships and banners and things that you've won with the families that you sell cattle to has gone up exponentially. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, so how does that work? Like, it, walk, walk me through that. You're, the thing that you think would take the most back burner, your passion, has continued to grow and and become better. I would say probably almost, almost instantly. The uh, um, probably the, almost instantly the thing that helped the most was just being feeling financially stable. You know, I think probably the hardest thing when I was in my trial period of, of trying to think I was going to trade full time was knowing that those cattle that are standing in the lot are, you know, our next year's living expenses basically. And that every right. dollar that you make in that, that fall has to pretty much make it all the way through the next year. Right. And, right. and then trying to plan ahead for what kind of expenses you were going to have you know, it probably kind of came for me similar when, you know, when we, when we went to look at buying a house was thinking about all the expenses that were going to come with buying that house. Um, and kind of a joke. I always, always tell people when I, you know, we're, we're teasing when they tease me about having a day job is, you know, um, my paycheck comes every two weeks at the bank and, uh, they've never asked to hold one yet, you know, right. and that's nothing that I, I can't say that about, uh, about my cattle operation. So it's just right. kind of nice knowing that, you know, every two weeks I'm going to get a paycheck and that the bank's not going to ask me to sit on it for a while to make sure it's good. It just comes into the account and, you know, it's, it's there for use. So that's, that was kind of one thing that almost, you know, instantly was just like seeing that kind of constant money flow in and knowing that, Hey, you know, if I don't get paid from a customer right away, or if, you know, something breaks and needs repaired, or, you know, if, if I buy a heifer and, you know, my donkey kills it or it dies or something, which that I don't have to worry about not being able to make a mortgage payment or, you know, help buy groceries and, and those things. So I think that was probably the, you know, the one thing that just right out of the gate felt like that helped, you know, and then obviously when you, once I stopped having to worry about, you know, selling them to provide a living, then it just, I was able to focus kind of all of my efforts on, Hey, let's make these things really good. Um, and I felt like that's kind of when, you know, we really started to, to see some changes, um, you know, cause the easiest thing to do then when you sit, sit down and kind of think about, well, how are we going to start to structure this to, you know, complement with a day job was obviously cut out the average ones. Right. Right. I mean, th that fall when, um, like when I said, I used my trial period and just tried to trade as many of them as I could. I felt like I still only traded the same amount of, you know, really good ones or elite ones. Cause you can only find so many of those a year anyway. Right. Um, where the bulk of that was made up with was what I would just consider average ones, you know, ones that I was trying to trade, you know, make really good money on. And those cattle weren't necessarily ever going to win. They were just there to serve a purpose of, you know, making money. Um, so when I went to kind of look at, you know, how to move forward, once I got the day job was let's cut a bunch of those out, you know, let's try to trim back back from selling a hundred head to let's try to sell, you know, 50 or 60. Um, but focus on obviously keeping the same amount of, you know, the very best ones or increasing that number, you know, as I went on and that's kind of what we, you know, focused on and I guess built around that, that concept so what you're saying is by cutting down numbers increasing quality yeah 
are you telling me in a roundabout way what you were doing is you were aware of what you could handle and you've basically molded your cattle enterprise and your program around only what you feel like you can take on or to achieve your goals and are you achieving your goals? Yeah. Um, I guess kind of what, how I describe it is, I mean, we just kind of tried to focus on, you know, what was going to be Weiss cattle's identity, you know? Um, and that wasn't going to be trading, you know, a pile of them. It was going to be trading, you know, kind of a select group, um, trying to put those, you know, those animals or, you know, most of them are heifers into the absolute best homes that we can possibly get. Um, right. And just, you know, try to have those cattle go out and be successful, not only in the show ring, but hopefully, you know, generate dollars for those exhibitors someday. And, you know, so they, they can build a program and, you know, have some income off of it as well. Right. Um, now, obviously, the average banker works 24 hours a week. But in seriousness, <laughs> you work probably 40 hours a week, like an average work week. And you know, it's funny because when I, when I started at the bank, um, they, they pitched the job to me like, Hey, you're going to work eight to five. You get an hour lunch break. Um, but when you leave the bank at five o'clock, you don't have to worry about the bank until the next morning. And when you leave on Friday night, you don't have to worry about it till Monday. Um, it started out like that for, you know, a little while, obviously I've gotten more involved with the bank. It doesn't quite shut off then. Um, but that's all right. It's something I've grown to really enjoy. So I, I don't mind it, you know, carrying over and spending more time on it than maybe I did right away at the start. So building on that though, to sell the, the cattle that you do at the quality you do, I mean, let's face it at the elite levels of this business of the cattle business, show cattle in particular, Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of service that goes into it. Yep. And I don't care if you sell cattle to your local county fair or to the cattle going to Louisville, there are certain expectations of service. How do you manage that? I remember when I, you know, first decided I was going to take the job, you know, one thing I did was kind of reached out to a few of, uh, you know, my best families and kind of let them know that it was something I was going to do. And I mean, the first few of them were obviously, uh, they were all supportive, but they were really surprised. I mean, they didn't think, you know, what didn't think that was something I would ever do or probably didn't understand quite why I was looking at it at that, at that particular time. Um, you know, and obviously that was one of probably their concerns and it was a concern of mine as well, just trying to figure out how it was all going to work. Um, you know, when, when it comes down to it, I, I, you know, get vacation from work and most shows happen on the weekends and, um, we definitely don't go to every jackpot or, you know, we don't make it to every County fair or, or, or everyone possible, but um, you know, we have an incredible group of, of uh, people that help us with, you know, clipping and fitting. Um, And I'm kind of a believer that that's a young man's game. And as I'm getting older, there are younger people that can do it better than I can. Um, And, for our business, it fits really well for us to say, Hey, you know, let's reach out and let's hire some of these people that are on our crew to come and help get those cattle ready. 
not only when we can be there, but also to kind of fill in when we can't. Um, and I think that's been, been a big help. Um, also I used to travel around a lot to, you know, go and, and clip those cattle for the show. And now I try to stay, you know, try to stay home, have the families bring the cattle up here. I always kind of explain it. Like it's, it's similar to, you know, sleeping in your own bed at night, clipping in your own clipping room. It's just way right. better. Right. So you've basically built your program, you know, urged it in a direction where you stay sane and you can do everything. You yeah. Need. I mean, if, if a family, you know, like you, you've established yeah. a plan and, and you're, you're executing it to the best. Yeah. If, if a family, you know, comes and buys a calf from us and, and uh, you know, we kind of ask them what kind of shows they're, you know, looking at going to, and we'll make a plan to either be there or, or have people be there or both, um, you know, on what I would consider those heifers, big days, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, we're not going to, we're going to make it to everyone. I mean, there may be some jackpots kind of this time of the year when, Hey, we're finishing up cabin and we're trying to plant corn and, you know, still trying to work or work the day job. And we're, we're probably not coming. Uh, I forgot you help, uh, you help Rob a lot of the farming. Oh yeah. Don't you yep. do, a little, do a little tractor yep. driving. Um, and basically at that point in time, when we kind of say, Hey, we're, we're not going to make it, but here's a list of our crew members and their numbers. And either I'll reach out to them or, you know, those families can reach out to them direct and, you know, see if they can line something up. Cause I'm perfectly okay with them, you know, them showing them and having those guys, obviously we trust them to, help get them ready. And most of them can, you know, dress them way better than I can anyway. So it works out pretty good. Now, was it in November you guys had Dallas? Uh, December, November, December 13th. December. Yep. So how has that changed things? Cause I'm sure that's throwing a big wrench, <laughs> you know, a big third, uh, uh, big third priority. Yeah. You know, obviously we're still, still pretty new into it. It's, uh, definitely, you know, the best thing I've ever been a part of, um, had, you know, obviously kind of nine months to prepare ourselves for it. Um, and, and I, and I would say that what it brings to the table is really helps put things into perspective. You know, well, once Dallas was born, lots of other things that I used to think were really, really important seemed pretty minimal. Um, so kind of the, you know, the day job kind of helped, you know, structure my schedule. Um, when Nikki and I got married, you know, we kind of, you know, made that move towards starting a family, obviously wanted to, you know, be around more, be available more. And then once Dallas, you know, once Dallas hit, it's like, well, now, now it's, you know, engaged in that as, as far as, you know, not wanting to run all over wanting to be more spending more time with Dallas um, and Nikki. And, you know, we've taken Dallas to some shows. She, we took her, she was born December 13th and we took her to Denver. Um, She's been to some, she went to a show up in Mitchell, South Dakota. She went to Ames. Um, You know, we went to a little, little jackpot here a couple weekends ago. Um, I was kind of always told and Nikki and I always talked about it that, um, you know, those babies kind of, adjust to what they're used to. And if we're going to do some traveling, you know, we might as well just take her with right away and, and, and get her used to it. And that's kind of what we've done. And, um, 
Dallas doesn't mind traveling when she flew to Denver uh, with us. She, you know, didn't cry in the plane once there or back. Um, so I don't know, maybe she's just, just kind of, it's kind of bred into her, I guess, possibly. <laughs> yeah. That was a good humble brag right there on how much better your child is. <laughs> Uh, not one of the ones that scream. In yeah, for sure. And yeah, so I think that's kind of how we do it. And I think that's, you know, one, there's still parts of that, that, you know, need to be worked on, obviously with how it's, you know, scheduled. Now we do a lot of, do a lot of the stuff for the cattle business at nights. You know, we do a lot of it on the weekends. So there's not always that flexibility to, to take off and, you know, go do things, you know, just with, you know, Nikki and Dallas and myself on the weekends, if I'm, you know, if we're trying to do something with the cattle, but that's probably a part that we need to work on some more as we, you know, progress. But so far we've been making it through pretty well. And I think there's obviously when you have um, such a monster of a quote unquote hobby is a lot of the, a lot of us would yeah, call it, absolutely. right? And there are some sacrifices. I mean, there is a certain enjoyment on some days of working cows or breaking babies. It's not every day. <laughs> I, I can attest to that, but it's some days uh, we enjoy right. it. Um, so I guess in summary, if you, if, if there's someone out there that's listening and they're struggling with this balance, I mean, what, what, what would your big two or three takeaways? I can think of a couple from talking to you, but you know, what, what would your be your, two or three big things that someone should be aware of or, or understand as they try to figure well, out. I'm just going to kind of, I don't know. There was one of those while back that I don't know. I kind of forgot part of my answer to, um, but it kind of ties into this too. I don't think if anybody that's involved in the, you know, the ag sector right now um, obviously knows kind of the, the hardships that's going on. Um, doesn't matter if it's in, right. you know, livestock row crops or, you know, an agribusiness, it's, it's the trickle down effect, right? Um, start to the farmer, you know, make its way all the way into town. And I think, uh, people are naive in this business if they don't believe that it's going to have some effect. Um, and if they're, if they're not feeling it, I think they will. Um, so when, you know, people that are looking at doing it full time and maybe haven't dove into it yet, I guess I would, I would challenge them to, uh, you know, really sit down put a pencil to it. Um, you know, and maybe see the things that you and I kind of talked about of having some of that financial stability of, you know, of a day job, and right. then, you know, hopefully they'll see some of the things I talked about where I feel like it actually kind of, you know, helped help us build our business, um, by me being able to take a step back, you know, work on something else during the day, come home with an open mind and, you know, kind of look at things differently. And I want to hit on, you know, like I said, I, kind of look at the cattle operation as a business more than I did when I was looking at doing it full time. Um, I think a big part of that is, you know, even though that I'm getting paid uh, by the bank, I like to keep that. I mean, that's two separate, that's two separate accounts. We have um, our cattle operation funds itself, you know, and I always, kind of, I always kind of said that I don't, if the day ever comes that the bank job has to pay the cattle operations bills, we're either going to make a drastic change or we're going to quit. Right. I mean, we're passionate about it, but at the same time, like it doesn't need to be a money pit. Um, so, but exactly. kind of how we treat our cattle operation is like a 401k. Um, whatever we make 
on our cattle operation in a year gets reinvested back into the operation, whether that's buying new genetics, buying new equipment. Um, you know, uh, we're working on buying some land. Um, whether it's reinvesting those type of assets, you know, it gets reinvest reinvested back into the operation. You know, and, and to build equity and kind of kind of then touch on back with Dallas being born. You know, now that she's here and such a big part of our world, people, you know, kind of ask, well, do you step back and, you know, maybe step back from a time standpoint, but really kind of, you know, throttle down on, on, on making them good because now, now it's like we have a reason to build it. You know, we have someone now to, yeah. to pass it on to or, you know, that can reap the rewards someday down the road of, of having this and having it run efficiently. So now it's kind of like, you know, we're building it for Dallas, you know, which is, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So it kind of, kind of helps keep everybody, you know, motivated and, you know, and kind of really simplifies the thought process when, you know, thinking about it and deciding kind of which way to go or, you know, what to invest in. I think, and if you don't mind me interjecting here after listening to you for the last, I think it's been 30 or 40 minutes. I think the thing that I take away from this most is awareness yeah. and that's understanding where like you've identified where you want your operation to be, what level you want to play at. Yep. Right. Which is taking time. Yep, absolutely. Right, to, Rome wasn't built in a day, but I think whether you want to operate at the level you've been operating at, uh, there's a lot of people out here in California that just love selling calves at a county fair, whatever that level is, whatever that is, that makes you happy. Yep. Figure out what that is and then mold everything else to fit that goal. I think sometimes, and I'm guilty of this too, you, I'll, I'll pick more things than I think I can, or more things than I can handle. And then it doesn't get executed appropriately, right. but you've been able to say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm only going to trade this many yep. of them. I want them to be of this quality. And you could fill in the blanks there, I think, right? Like, you know, some people, it might be 150. Some people, it might be three. I'm going to pick this quality, fill in that blank. And this is the amount of time I'm going to dedicate to it because I still need this amount of time to do everything else and just really be diligent in defining the roles of each part of your life. Yeah. You know, this is for family. This is for cattle. This is for my professional career. Absolutely. And I, I think some of those lines get blurred the same way that you said the financials get blurred between um, personal funds and the cattle operation business funds, right? Yeah. Those lines get blurred. Oh, it'd be so easy to do it. If a guy were to set definitive goals, right? Right. Definitive goal or definitive lines yeah. between each aspect and say, this is what I'm going to do. Now, of course, if one's cabinet two in the morning needs to be pulled, like we're all going to go do it. But sure. the point being is delineate it a little bit better than I know what I do. And I think uh, uh, you could achieve a lot more balance. For sure. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Well, that's all uh, the questions I have. Uh, do you want to tell us uh, if we want to come up to Meyer, Iowa, which is a beautiful part of the country? It's a very small <laughs> town, not much, not unlike uh, the one I grew up, except the weather is drastically colder. Uh, if we want to come up and check out some stock, you know, how do we do that? How do you sell them? What do you do in the fall? We're, uh, I mean, people are welcome anytime. Uh, right now, it's, 
pretty miserable in Northern Iowa, to be honest with you. It's been raining and cold. And um, for the end of April, we actually had about four inches of snow on Saturday. Um, oh boy. So all of our, all of our baby calves are still on concrete lots, just anxiously awaiting to go out onto some grass or when hopefully the grass actually starts to grow. Um, but kind of once, you know, early summer, kind of all the way through the fall, um, visitors are always welcome. Um, as far as sales go, um, kind of what we started doing last year and kind of ties back into what we've been talking about as far as scheduling. Um, I've been trying to, and that's probably the one thing that I would say needs the most improvement on is just setting a distinct way of how, how we're going to market our cattle. Um, we've had online sales before we've done load and go before last year was the mm -hmm. first year we kind of kicked off with a pasture sale. Um, we sold all of our raised cattle on a pasture sale setting and then, um, sold all of our trading cattle, just load and go. Um, and the nice thing about having the pasture sale was it really shortened up the window of when we were in sell mode. Right. Um, and that pasture sales, what, end of September, end of September, yep, we usually try to have it. Um, the end of September, that way everybody, when they're kind of up in this area, you know, from the uh, pro tour heading down to the Eastern Iowa sales or back and forth, we can kind of, you know, fall in between that. If, if people do want to come through and, and check them out, um, looking at having the pasture sale again this year. Um, and then the goal is someday to work towards having all cattle on one sale, you know, preparing them, you know, and kind of there at the end of September, 1st of October, um, selling everything that we're going to sell kind of a one shot. Um, and then, you know, hopefully having the rest of the fall to, you know, jump in a truck or a combine and, you know, help, help with harvest. Sounds good to me. So yeah, we'd love to have everybody stop up when they're up this way. What day, uh, what day they serve the prime rib up there at sweets? Oh, Saturday night, Saturdays? Saturday night. Yeah. yeah. Come in, go to Weiss battle on Saturdays and then go to sweets, which is what, like 15 minutes North of you, 15 minutes North. We'll take you out to Leroy. Uh, place is called sweets, little hole in the wall and all you can eat prime rib on Saturdays. And it, it's worth, it's worth the trip alone. The cattle may not be worth the trip, but the prime rib for sure is, you know, even though I'm from California and everyone thinks I'm a vegan cause I live out here. Uh, I consider myself a prime rib aficionado and I will say that is the best prime rib I've ever had. I remember when you came up and went, we went to sweets first time and like, I was telling you how good it was. I remember we walked in there. The yeah, I didn't believe you. The first thing I remember I is like going to the salad bar and you just like eyeing up the salad bar. Like this is the most North Iowa salad bar I've ever seen. It's like, got it was weird. It didn't have any vegetables. It's I like got shredded I mean, lettuce from a bag and like, like shredded cheese and like pickled herring. And that's like it. Yeah. <laughs> you had like pickled herring and potatoes. Like I think in North Iowa, I think your vegetables and potato, which is, unusual for me coming from for those of you who don't know california raises a lot of fruits and vegetables out here so i'm that was un it was an unusual experience at the salad bar but the beef steak was delicious well you, you, I mean, so highly suggest hitting that willie on a saturday <laughs> go to sweets afterwards yep we'd be happy to take you up there well willie i sure appreciate your time um it's been an insightful conversation for me i'm sure a lot of the listeners would agree and uh, we'll have to have you back on soon. That'd be awesome. Thanks for having me, Ferris. I want to say thank you again to our guest today, Willie Weiss, for coming on the program. Really appreciated the insight, and I hope you did the same. Uh, as always, please feel free to uh, go like us on Facebook at Shootside Podcast. 
If you have any input or things you'd like to hear, guests you'd like to have on, shoot us an email at shootsidepodcast at gmail.com. Please rate us, uh, five stars hopefully, and uh, subscribe to the channel. We appreciate your guys' support. We are having a lot of fun doing this program for you, and, and I really do appreciate the feedback. I mean that. We'll see you guys again next week.